This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. So this young lady had uh, decided to move out of her home and she got an apartment all her own. It was too quiet. So she bought a parrot. So she'd have someone to talk to. Pet store owner told her parrot talked like crazy. The parrot did talk, talked a lot. But the parrot had a bad habit. Someone had taught the parrot cuss words. And the parrot could cuss up a blue streak. I just cussed all the time. She was a little church girl, made her mad. She threatened the parrot, prayed for the parrot, withheld food from the parrot. The parrot wasn't listening. One day she would come in after church, and that parrot just went off, and she had enough. She went over and grabbed that parrot by the neck. She looked around. Finally, she walked over to the refrigerator, opened the freezer door, threw the parrot in the freezer door, and shut the door. Oh, he squawked and cussed and squawked and cussed, and then dead quiet. She thought to herself, oh my gosh, I've killed this bird. She opened the freezer door, and he was standing there. <laughs> she put her hand out, and he stepped on her finger. Cocked his head up at her, he said, uh, I realize my language has been rather offensive these last few months. And I want to let you know that it's simply not going to happen again, and I apologize. She said, well, you're forgiven. He said, may I ask you a question? She said, yes. He pointed his head back toward the freezer and said, tell me, what did the chicken do? <laughs> he said, Alan, what, what did that have to do with the 25th anniversary? Not a thing, <laughs> but I thought since we're, we've done this for 25 years, we might as well keep it. So during this month, I'll be sharing some of my favorite jokes, <laughs> and that's one of them. Hey, by the way, if you don't like laughter, this church is probably not for you, because if you can't laugh in church, there's no sense laughing out in the world. This is the best place to be and the best place to laugh, and so we like that. 25 years ago, when we started, we, I took up a, a, a text. The Lord gave me a, a text scripture, and I took this text, and so I'll be sharing some of the, the very scriptures that I shared 25 years ago. I tried to do this periodically, uh, at least once a year. And this was the first scripture, and this is how we started, in fact, at the beginning. So 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This really has comprised what, what I feel like is the foundation for our message as a church. Our message over these 25 years has been the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by grace that we're saved. It's grace that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve it. But what Jesus has done for us is truly amazing. Not just heaven when we die, but what he's done for us here and now. And his grace and his strength and his grace has changed us, has made us new creations. His grace has given us a relationship with God. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Just so many things that grace has done for us. We've never explained it enough. We've never gone into it enough and we'll never stop. We'll continue to talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
because without his grace, this church would not be here. You and I would not be here. And many of us can stand up here and testify right now if it wasn't for grace, a grace that, that healed. It wasn't for grace that healed my wife years, 25 years ago when we started this church. She'd been so sick. Thank God she's well. She's never had another attack like that again. The grace of God that's healed, that's strengthened. Some of you are here today, and the doctor said you would never be. Some of you are here today, and people have, have prophesied over you that you would have a horrible life. And you can join with me and say, if it wasn't for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, where in the world would we be? Where would our family be? And so we just we continue. That will continue to be a message for the next 25 years. And the love of God. I was thinking about it this week. The love of God. I think we almost take it for granted sometimes. But you know, no other religion known to man focuses as much on love as we do. You never hear Buddha loves you. You'll never hear these Hindu gods. There's thousands of them. You don't hear about their love. But we have a God who loves us. A God who cares about us. A God who loves us enough to send his son. No other religion even offers that. And where there's love, there's always hope and life. And the love of God is something that has built this church and has helped this church because we realize there's a world who is desperately in need of the love of God. And so we continue to proclaim that God does love people. And he loves individuals and he loves families. And the love of God is something that will be, we'll be praising God for his love throughout eternity. It's the love of God for us and then the love that we have for God. It's a respect for him. It's not a feeling. I think sometimes people say, well, I just don't have a, a feeling of love. Really love, the true biblical love is a decision. It's a choice. It's an action. By coming today, you show God, I, I care about you. I love you. And a love for God is something we'll continue to build on in the days ahead. And then the communion of the Holy Spirit. I'm doing a series on Wednesday night on the Holy Spirit. He's often the least talked about member of the Godhead, and yet he's so effective. He's the one who accomplishes and enables and empowers. Jesus told his own disciples, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you have power to do this. If Jesus' disciples needed power, we need power today. My pastor used to say if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church, the church would collapse. I firmly believe that. Without the Holy Spirit's empowerment and help, nothing would get done. It would be all just the efforts of man. But with his strength and with his power, wonderful things can happen, not just in the church, in your lives as well. And God can do amazing things. So the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion or the fellowship, another word is the partnership of the Holy Spirit, what a privilege we have that he lives in us by his spirit and empowers us. I was thinking about the first church that Joy and I started. And uh, when we first started the church, I, I, I talked a lot about the first church we started. In 1989, we went to my hometown of Greensboro, North Carolina, and started a church. And uh, it, was, it was poorly planned, poorly executed, and had poor results. I mean, after a while, I mean, just, just within a few weeks, my own mother and father came to me and said, son, we're going back to our church. When your mama leaves your church, <laughs> man, you're in bad shape. I just... And so we spent about a year and a half there in North Carolina, and we, didn't, we, we really thought for the most part that we were wiped, just washed up, and at 30 years of age, I thought I'd never get another chance and that I was a failure. But I found out something about the love of God and about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't write people off as quickly as we do. 
And we tend to write people off and think it's all washed up, but God gave me another chance. He gave me a second chance. And that second chance is what you're sitting in right now. We're so grateful for it. We got a second chance God and a third chance and a fourth chance. We got a God who's good. So as we continue to move forward, this will always be a church that proclaims that kind of message. But I want to take now the, the first story that I, I talked about, the first Bible story that I read to the church on that day in June of 1996. Now, if you know me, if you've been around me, it's like, Alan, your, your, your sermons have the same pattern. You're like you start with an introduction, then you do a Bible story, and then you do an application. So today, I've started with an introduction. I'm going to read a Bible story, and then we're going to have an application. It's worked for 20... <laughs> It's worked for 25 years. I'm not going to change it now. So we're just going to continue to do this. I love this story because it portrays the one we serve as the light of the world. Jesus is preaching, and they bring a lady to him. Let's read this out of John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus... <laughs> Jesus said... I don't condemn you, brother. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Okay, I'm sorry, all right? I really, I'm sorry. <laughs> then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I love this story because it, we're really in this story, we see some things. We see the fact that man-made religion can often be pretty harsh. Some of you have been experienced man-made religion growing up. I've always said this. I don't think people have ever rejected Jesus. I think they've rejected religion. Because man-made religion can be pretty harsh and brutal. I mean, they brought this woman here, and they brought her by herself. Now, when I took biology class, there was one thing I figured out. In adultery, it usually takes more than one to commit adultery in the very act. There should have been a man brought with her. But all they brought was the lady. And they really weren't concerned about her. As she stood there, all they were concerned about was pinning the, the blame on Jesus or pinning him down or trapping him to prove their point, to prove they were right. They were trying everything they could to disprove Jesus, and they had no concern with this poor little lady who's standing there. Imagine she's standing there. She's somebody's daughter. She's someone maybe that never intended to ever wind up in this situation. We don't know her story. But now she's standing there alone and feeling so exposed and so fearful, even fearing for her life. Now she's standing in front of the greatest religious leader of that day, wondering what in the world is going to happen to her. But God proved something. He proved through Jesus that God is always smarter than man. Jesus stooped down to begin to, to write on the ground. I've had people ask me this, and 
I know it's a big question. What did he write? We have no idea. I've heard people say, well, maybe he was writing down the sins of the house. We don't know. But he was writing on the ground, but they continued to pressure him. And they were pressuring him. We need an answer. We need an answer. I love the fact that Jesus did not give in to their pressure. He never, you know, you talk about, you talk about someone who was cool. Jesus was cool. Man, people pushed him and said things about him. He was cool. And they're pressuring him. He didn't, he didn't even answer them at all. But then when he stood up, he had wisdom from God, and he, looked, he flipped the script on them. He said, okay, whichever one of you guys is perfect, whichever one of you guys has never sinned, throw the first stone. You know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't even condemn the guys who were accusing this woman. He didn't stand up and go, well, you sorry bunch of sinners. I can't believe you're in here when I know what your life is like. He didn't even say that. He just said he was without sin. And the Bible said they were convicted by their own conscience. And they begin to drop their rocks. The oldest first, because the oldest have a lot more to be forgiven for. So they started dropping those rocks. I'm sure they were looking at one another. And finally, they're like, bro, you better drop that rock, because I know your life, and it, it is no way you can do this. They dropped their rocks and left that woman standing right out there, still by herself, still exposed. But in the next encounter, we see God's heart for hurting humanity. And Jesus stood up, he was the only one who was qualified to throw a stone at this woman. He was the only one who had never sinned. He could have condemned her, but he would not do it. Instead, what he did was he gave her a fresh start at a new life. He looked at her and said, I don't condemn you. He said, but then he said, go and sin no more. Over the years, over the 25 years, we've been accused of a lot of things. One of them we've been accused of is, is a feel-good church. Thank you. If you feel worse when you come to church, you hadn't been. Um, also accused, Alan, you don't preach enough on sin. I've already figured out that people, people will sin without me preaching on it. But here's my message on sin. Stop. So... <laughs> That's what Jesus told this lady. He said, no. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. He said, go. Don't do it anymore. That's a good way. But I, I, I wonder what we don't hear is we don't know her response. I can only imagine. Now, here's Alan's theory. Alan's theory is that impacted her life. That it probably every time that maybe she was tempted to get into something, she remembered her gratitude for Jesus who didn't condemn her and let her go free. And it probably impacted her life and changed the way that she lived because she was grateful. Now, I, I, I think we'll beat her in heaven. That's just me. Because she was freed from such a difficult position, she probably was always grateful. Many of us in here have been freed from stuff that we never could get free of on our own. But all of us have been freed from sin. And what a wonderful thing that is. And then Jesus connected the dots when he turned around and said to the crowd, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. I love the fact he didn't stand up and curse the darkness. He said, I am the light. Listen, light doesn't fight against darkness. Light expels darkness. Light is warm. Light brings warmth. It brings light. And years ago, I remember the Lord spoke to my heart and said, a blind man can't feel, see the light, but he can feel its warmth. There are people who are blinded to God's goodness, and maybe they can't see his goodness, but they can feel the warmth that we can have as a church as we love them.
He's the light of the world, and we're following him. What about for the next 25 years? Where are we going from here? What's going on? People say, Alan, are you going to retire? Not even thinking about it. I will reach what is known as retirement age next, uh, next month at 62. My wife has already explained to me that I'm not retiring. And so uh, <laughs> she's like, what, what would I do with you at home? But uh, listen, I don't want to retire. I love doing this. And as long as I'm able to do this without, as long as you can roll me up here, I'll be preaching. And so, and so I, I plan on being here for the 50th. That's my plan, is on being here for the 50th. <laughs> Caveat, if Jesus comes back though, I'm gone. I really, I'm gone. I'm not, I'm not staying around. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm hooking them out of here. But I, we're, we're, we're going to stay. But for the next 25 years, what are we going to do? What's the, what's the message going to be? The message is going to be that we continue to do our best to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God in a genuine biblical way to as many people as we can. That we also present it not just to Montgomery County, but we continue to reach out to the world. Now you saw in, in, that, in that video, it said $40,000 given to our missionaries. That was extra given this month. We support our missionaries every month, and we blessed almost every one of them with extra funds this month because God still loves the world. I love America. I love Texas. I love Montgomery County. God loves the entire world, and we love what he loves. We're going to continue to back what he backs, and one of the reasons this church has been so blessed is because we've hooked up with God's bigger plan. He loves the world, and we're going to continue to reach the world as much as we can. Not only that, we want to reach our world, and we don't just want to reach our world. We also want to care for the one that comes through the door. Big enough to care for the, the big things, but yet small enough to care personally for the individuals that come in. People come in here from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. Their stories vary so much. But people come in here, and I believe that this is a place where we can show them the love of God and that we care that they're here. We used to have a saying, we don't say it much anymore. It used to be on one of our billboards, compassion for the one, vision for the world. That's actually pretty accurate. Compassion for the one, vision for the world. Years ago, I, I read a story, I, I like it, it's one of my favorites, of, a, of a, a man, older man who was a writer. Every day he would walk on the beach before he did his writing just to kind of clear his mind and get his creativity juices flowing. And he was just walking on this beach one morning after a bad storm. He noticed that the beach was just, as far as you could see, was just littered with starfish. There were starfish all over the place, thousands upon thousands of them. As he walked along the beach, he saw a, a, what looked like to be a, a young boy, about 10 or 11 years old. And the, and the boy was picking up starfish and throwing them back into the ocean, picking them up and throwing them back into the ocean. He seemed pretty energetic, almost frantic about it. And uh, the older man walked up and put his hand on his shoulder. He said, son, what are you doing? And the boy stopped. He said, well, he said, the tide has, has gone out. He said, and these, these starfish, if the sun comes up, he said, they're going to dry out. They're going to die unless they can get back into the water. The older man looked down the boat. He said, son, he said, there's 10,000 of, of these starfish. You're not going to be able to make a difference. And the boy reached down, and he picked up a starfish, and he threw it in the water, and he said, I made a difference to that one. That's what we do here. We may reach out big, but we're going to make a difference in the lives of one. As people come in, that's our objective and that's our heart.
Another thing as we continue to go along in, in, in the world that we're living in now, we're going to play to an audience of one. Here's what I mean by that. We're living in a world where there's a lot of, what I would say, increase, increasing pressure. There's a lot of pressure on the church, on believers, on Christians. First thing I'm going to say about that is I, I'm, I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done for me in my life, what he's done for this church. It's huge. So I owe him something. And when the world begins to put their pressure on us, and guys, it's happening more and more. Hey, you're, you're intolerant. You're, you've got to accept this lifestyle. You have to accept this kind of behavior. You have to accept this. What are you going to do about it, church? What are you going to do about it, church? And they're demanding an answer. The only thing we have to answer them in is this. We're going to please God, and we're going to help as many people as possible. We don't have to answer their demands. We don't have to answer them according to the questions that they ask. All we're here for is we're going to please God and bless as many people as we can. We play to an audience of one. We're not going to listen to the world. That's it. Then the last thing, and I'll, I'll close with this one, and, and this, this is really key. We're going to present the strength of faith and hope and love to a, a, a hurting, fearful humanity. You know, I, I think... One of the things I've loved about this church and so many of you is this is a place where people can come and they're welcome from all walks of life and they're not condemned. I love the fact that around here, we just drop our rocks in the parking lot. We don't bring them in the church because there's a lot of us that realize we're not perfect at all. Years ago when I came to Texas, I moved to Texas from North Carolina. I was a, a sales rep for Wrangler Jeans. And when, when I came down here, they said, Alan, you're a Wrangler jeans salesman. You have to wear your Wrangler jeans tight. I took them seriously. <laughs> I'm 22 years old. I had like 0% body fat. I could wear tight jeans at that time. And so I don't wear them now, dear Lord. I've got legs so bow-legged, I look like they're in parentheses. And so I don't, uh... <laughs> but man, I was, I was strutting around in my jeans and, I, and I, I went to Lakewood Church and I gave my heart back to the Lord and I was, I was just serving. I got involved with a group and a guy took me aside one night and he started to give me a hard time about wearing my jeans so tight. You don't need to wear your jeans so tight. And, you know, you, you know this is, yeah, and this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Religion's harsh. And man, I was, I was starting to get angry. I was a, I was a fairly new Christian and, I was, and I'm starting to think, I'll take you out in Jesus' name. And I remember a guy named Joe Valdez stepped into the middle of that. Joe Valdez was, a, was an ex-Golden Gloves boxer. And Joe stepped in the middle of that conversation. He looked at that guy and said, he can wear tight jeans if he wants to. At least he can. <laughs> and Joe Valdez stopped a young believer, maybe from feeling so condemned and unwelcome that I wouldn't have come back. We've got to drop the rocks, guys. There's no one here who's perfect. I know many of you think Joy is. She's not. <laughs> she's close, but she's not. But the idea is, our objective is, we're not throwing rocks at the world. That We're presenting to the world that with Jesus, there's a, there's a chance at a fresh start. There's a chance at a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. These are important. We tell people that we're here to bless this community, that we're here to make a difference in the world. But we're here that people can come in from all walks of life. And people aren't going to ding them about where they've been or ding them about what kind of clothes they wear. We don't care. 
We're just glad that you've come. One of my favorite stories was, was a story I read years ago about a, a little family in, uh, right outside of Rio de Janeiro. It was Maria and, and her daughter, Christina. Maria was a single mom. Her husband had passed away when Christina was very young. Maria worked very hard just to be able to take care of Christina and give her a good home. She worked hard to make ends meet, but Christina, she grew up, Christina had her eyes on bigger things. She didn't like the dusty little village. Christina wanted to live, she wanted to go to Rio de Janeiro. As she grew, she became a very beautiful young woman. Every boy in the village wanted to, wanted to date her, they wanted to marry her, but marrying a little boy in the village was not what Christina wanted. She wanted the bright lights of Rio. So her mom was so concerned. Christina didn't have an education, didn't have any skills. And she was afraid of what would happen to her if she showed up in the big city. She used to tell her, Christina, you can't go there. You don't know anybody. Jobs are scarce. So you can imagine the mom's dismay when one day she came in and all of Christina's stuff was gone. Her mom got her money together, packed a few things, and, and went down toward the bus station to go to Rio to look for Christina. She knew where she went. When she went, she, uh, before she went, she stopped in a drugstore and they used to have those booths. I don't think they have them anymore. Those photo booths where you, you get in, you put some money in, it'll take three black and white pictures. She took as many as she could afford and put the, the pictures in her purse and got on that bus for Rio. When she got into Rio de Janeiro, she, she knew what would eventually happen to Christina. She was a proud little girl. She, was, she, was, she wasn't going to turn around and come back so she knew when pride and hunger met up that people will do things they don't normally want to ever do. So she began to go to the bars and the nightclubs and the hotels that had a reputation for prostitutes. And in these, she would leave one of her black and white pictures, maybe taped to a, a mirror in the bathroom or put on a bulletin board or stuck in a lobby somewhere where you could see it. And on the back, she wrote a note. When her money ran out and her pictures ran out, Maria had, with a heavy heart, had to leave and go back to her village. She didn't know she'd ever see Christina again, so, but she had to go home. A few weeks after that, Christina comes down in a dirty hotel room. She comes down to the lobby. Her eyes look aged. Laughter's gone. Her dreams have been shattered. She never intended to go there. She often thought about going home, but she just couldn't, couldn't get the courage up to do it. She felt so stuck in her lifestyle. She passed the bulletin board in the hotel lobby. She noticed a picture and it caught her eye. She turned and it was her mom and her throat tightened and her eyes began to tear up. And she grabbed the picture and she turned it over and there was a note that said, whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. I, I think... That's what we are. We're a come home church. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. Come to the one who loves you. Come to the one who died for you. Come to the one whose intentions for you are so far better than anything you could have ever imagined. Please come home. Hebrews eleven seven said that by faith, Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household. That's what we've endeavored to do for 25 years. And by the grace of God, we're going to continue to do that for the next 25. Would you bow your head with me? Sandra bowed and eyes are closed. And if you realize today that 
you're away from the Lord, you, you know that, or maybe you never had a relationship with him, and you recognize that this is your day to come home or to, or to come back. And this prayer is for you. You're watching online. This prayer is for you. We're not going to have you stand up in here or come down to the front. But sitting right in your chair, we're going to pray a prayer that's absolutely life-changing and eternity-changing, and you can pray this with us at home. Heads are bowed, knives are closed, no one's looking around, but if that's you that I'm talking to today, you say, Alan, I, I don't know where I stand with God, or I'm not sure, or I know I need God in my life, or I know I need to come back to him, I want your prayers, would you pray for me? I'm gonna ask you to do one thing, it's so simple, but you can do it, just to slip your hand up real quickly across this auditorium. If that's you, would you simply with by a raised hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your courage. Thank you, yeah, I see them all up in the back, in the front, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, it takes courage to do that, but it's the best move you'll ever make. You can put your hands down, we're gonna pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but maybe you're sitting, thinking to yourself, I missed it, I missed my opportunity, you didn't. We're gonna say a prayer, we're gonna have the whole church family join in. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. If you're here today, we're gonna pray it with you as a church family. This is a, a, a prayer that you can pray. It makes all the difference in the world. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer today, those who prayed that prayer online in the future. Father, I thank you for their courage and I thank you for the decision that they made, such a good decision, to come out of darkness into your marvelous light or to come back home. I prayed that very same prayer. And what a difference maker it was. We pray for them, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. And Lord, that thank you, you enable them to fulfill all of your plan for their life because it's good. We join our faith with them. And Father, for those here, those who've been part of the ark or maybe used to be part of the ark, everyone who gave, everyone who served, everyone who's been a part of 25 years, we're grateful for, we appreciate. And Lord, we thank you that by your grace, we have still many, 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 many good days ahead. And if you tarry, we'll be here. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.